just want to give a little um, homily to you. I have a few things I think are important to talk about on the 4th of July, but in, in regards to our gospel reading, a lot of us just heard something that might have made our Catholic ears scratch a little bit, and like, what did, what did they just say? Uh, so we heard Jesus coming to a town, and, and basically it's his hometown, and he is being asked where he got all of this wisdom, right? And then we hear the question, um, is he not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So for those, those of us who have a devotion to Mary, we come to know that uh, very clearly. Uh, that sounds confusing because we, we believe Mary is perpetual virgin. She is immaculately conceived. Um, in, in the Gospels, when we look at this in the, in the Greek, the word is adelphoi, and that means close kindred. So that means like cousin or close relative when they say brothers and sisters, but also close followers, close, close friends. Uh, some of you might have people in your own lives that you would actually consider a brother or a sister but they weren't born of your same mother. That's kind of what's going on here. So our Protestant evangelical brothers and sisters often uh, use these particular scriptures, but they take them out of context. So I just want to make sure we don't muddy the water there. Um, That's not what my homily is about. I actually want to talk about um, our second reading, because I think for us as Americans on this 4th of July weekend, it's a very, very difficult uh, reading um, because we come from, in our heritage, we come from a place that was oppressed in England and to get away from the oppression, um, that was, uh, they believe, a, a movement of God to come to now it is America. Uh, but there's a lot of sacrifice that had to happen before that. And often um, in scriptures, Egypt is u- used as a place of slavery, not like physical Egypt, but that place of Egypt. And Pharaoh is, is used as a sign of Satan being enslaved by a, a certain vice or a certain ruler and we can now even see England kind of being like that in modern day terms, and America being a place of like Israel, the modern day Israel, a place of, a place of freedom. But the, the one place where I think Americans have gone wrong, and I'm not pointing fingers at you, I'm saying our, our ancestors have gone wrong, is we've forgotten about the common good. We're like, I want my individual freedom, I want my individual, I want my, 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 me, 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 me. Um, but for the Christian, especially the Catholic Christian, it's all about us. It's all about keeping the nuclear family together, the, the body of Christ together. So there really isn't a me anymore. It's an us. It's an our. And that's hard because that means you and I have to do something that we don't like to do in America, and that means we have to surrender and admit that we can't, we can't do it on our own. I have to surrender every day and admit, as St. Paul says, that God's grace is sufficient for me. That means I have to realize when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Look at America. You look at all these, these, these big wigs, these people that have, have worked really hard. Um, we always say, oh my gosh, they must be so powerful. Uh, but in the eyes of a Christian, uh, if, they're, if they are relying on God's grace, we should say, wow, they are incredibly weak. God's grace is sufficient for each of us. And what would our lives look like if we were more surrendered, more full of God's grace And what would it look like for God's power to be made perfect in us in our weakness? I don't know if you've ever heard this reading from 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. I encourage you to pray with it often. Um, But how many of us actually boast of our weakness, right? Did you hear how much I gossiped recently? (laughs) Did you you see all those inappropriate things I watched on the internet recently? Did you hear all the bad language I used recently? Uh, No, actually for the Christian, uh, we realize we're so weak that 
without God, we're not going to overcome our sins. And his grace comes into us. So St. Paul has had this thorn in his flesh, and, and theologians have debated, what is that? Was it, was it a physical pain? Was it an emotional pain, a psychological pain? They don't know. Some people believe because he was shipwrecked many times, he had this emotional pain um, of wondering, is God ever going to save me? And, but he always did, but he kind of doubted sometimes. And some people believe he had like a physical pain, uh, maybe in his back from, or in his, in, his, in his head, because we know that he was, he was scourged and whipped often. He was enslaved often. Um, but some people believe it was because we know that he said it was okay to kill Christians. And he, he, maybe he struggled with this, the, that vice of unforgiveness. Lord, I know that you love me, but I actually said it was okay for those people to die. I didn't stop it. I allowed it, right? We don't know what that thorn was, and, and maybe you have a certain vice or a certain thing that always seems to kind of dig in, and it, you say, Lord, I just want this to leave me. I just want this to leave me really, really badly. But in that, in your weakness and in my weakness, the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace, my gift, my power, my help. For God's power is made perfect in weakness. So St. Paul says, now I will rather boast most gladly of my weakness so the power of Christ may dwell in me. That means it rests in me. It pours out of me. So, St. Paul says, therefore, I am content with weakness, insults. I actually, I'm okay with when people make fun of me for being a follower of Jesus. Hardships, persecutions, constraints for the sake of Christ, because he says, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. And what does that look like? I can remember the first time I heard this reading. I don't know if you've ever heard this reading before, but the first time it really clicked in me, I was um, up in Door County, and I was on summer staff with Catholic Youth Expedition. So that's a, um, an apostle in the Diocese of Green Bay. And when I was up there, I kept trying to help someone. I, was, I really went to, wanted to help them. Um, but every time I kept, kept trying to help this person, I ended up screwing up because I was relying on my own will, my own merits, my own grace, so to speak. And also, I found myself also apologizing a lot I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to. That's a sign of my brokenness. That's a sign of God wanting to heal me. And my problem was, is that I was trying to do it on my own. So what, what it looks like is what I had to do is I had to allow myself to fall, hit rock bottom, so to speak, and lay there until he picked me up instead of relying upon his grace, instead of trying to pick myself up, which is like really hard to do because as... As Americans, we like to, you know, I will this. I put the hard work in. I get the, I get the, I get the grade, or I get the money, or I get the body, or I get the whatever. But we, when we rely on God's grace, we say, it was his grace that allowed me to make the money. It's his grace that allowed me to um, get the grades. Everything points to him. So it's not about me anymore. It's totally about the Lord. And if you and I want to be full of God's grace, full of his help, if you want to just be done with being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Uh, one thing I would encourage you to do is this. Um, has anyone ever seen this book before? Maybe you could raise your hand, a few people. So if people have consecrated themselves to Jesus through Mary. That summer, when I was on staff, this was a huge part of my healing and deliverance of reala- realizing God's grace is sufficient for me. Because if anybody who is totally aware of God's grace being sufficient besides St. Paul, God's grace being enough, that'd be Mother Mary, right? And I can remember when I first did this, um, I was listening to a Catholic musician. His name's Joe Zambone. He's now a good friend of mine. But he said, 
The first week you do this is going to suck. It's going to be really, really bad. Because the devil doesn't want you to know what it's like to be surrendered to God. The devil doesn't want, want you to know what it's like to be consecrated or set apart to Jesus through Mary. He doesn't want you to know about her, her power, her help, to help you love Jesus, to help you love those people that annoy you, to help you choose to be better rather than to be bitter. He doesn't want you to know that. So out of my weakness, I realized I probably can't do this alone. So a group of us got together, and we did the, the consecration together, and that first week was bad. Every single thing that annoyed me about other people, even about myself, came like rising to the surface. But it, it now it, it lo- what it looks like for me is I still do this every year. The first time I ever did the consecration was on the feast day, the Assumption. So you always start 33 days before a major Marian feast day. And I can remember out of my weakness being around a, a group of people to hold me accountable, to keep praying, to keep praying, um, and to consecrate myself to Jesus through Mary. There was so much healing that happened and I allowed Jesus and Mary and the saints and the church to pick me up instead of trying to pick myself up. And then the invitation is to is invite other people to do the same. The fastest way to grace is through Mary to get to Jesus. That's what St. Pope John Paul II tells us. And when we look at the lives of the saints, it's not that they were strong. That's the evil one. They were not strong. They were totally surrendered to Jesus. They knew that without Jesus, they could do nothing. So what, what they received is the grace, what's called holy indifference. That means that God is, can work through anything. God can work through anything. Anything. Right now, what do you doubt that God could work through? All of us have one or two things, or even people, we doubt that God could work them. Do you doubt that God could work through our president right now? Then maybe offer up your consecration for him. Do you doubt that God could work through a certain politician, through a certain teacher, or through a certain athlete, or a certain pop star? Then offer up your consecration for them, for those who have done it already. For those of us who want to truly know the power of the gospel, we have to live always surrendered to God and know that nothing is apart from him. When we look at St. Paul, his life, nobody ever thought that he'd become a Christian. Nobody thought that he would ever become a Christian. A lot of the saints, nobody thought they would ever become Christians. But when they encountered Jesus in his love and they surrendered themselves to him, they can echo these same words in knowing, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. in order that the power of Christ may dwell with you, right? With me. I'm not a priest because I'm strong. I'm a priest because I'm weak. I'm not a Catholic because I'm strong. I'm a Catholic because I'm weak. Therefore, like St. Paul, all of us, if we truly are surrendered to Jesus through Mary, uh, we should be content with weaknesses because then God works more, more strongly. We should be content with insults. Think of Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the saints. They probably got made fun of a lot. Hardships. In a hardship, you can, you can encounter the cross and you can realize you get a sliver to see how much Jesus loves you. Persecutions, when people make fun of you, constraints, when things feel like they're not working, you take your hands off the wheel and you let the Lord take control. God can, God can work through anyone. And who are we to doubt our God? So there might be an invitation in a couple weeks to redo or do the consecration to Jesus through Mary. But instead of doing it for yourself, then start doing it for others.
to set them apart for God to work through them. And maybe pray for the grace to say, Lord, I don't want to doubt that you can work through anyone. I want to truly know that your grace is enough. I want to know that your help is enough. I want to know that your power is made perfect in weakness. And I think for a lot of us, the invitation is we just need to be bold with him and say, like, shake me up completely so I never doubt you again. Like, I need to know specifically. And then we have to be patient enough to let him work. Often when you and I ask God for things or gifts, he usually wraps it a different way. It's in a different, different style box, so to speak. And we open up, it's actually better. It's actually better. But then we have to trust that our God is a good, good father. The last words of our gospel we heard were, Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Faith can also be, tr- be translated as trust or confidence. Whatever doubt you may have, know where we find our faith in our, Catholic, in our Catholic church. We find it on the altar when the body and blood are made present to us. We just take a moment of silence and ask our Lord to reveal to us anyone or anything that causes us doubt. And we ask for him to give us greater grace to believe in his true presence. So we know that his grace is indeed sufficient for you. So we don't doubt so that when it hits the fan in life, so to speak, we don't doubt him. Because he will be here in just a moment on this altar to remind you of his infinite love. We give thanks and praise to our God for being so good to us, even when we feel like we don't deserve it. And we ask for understanding to know what it means to be weak and then be strong. Amen.